I'm Jeffrey Rickman, and I'm sitting down with Tim Simpson, who's the new superintendent of schools at Nowata Public Schools. Uh, he agreed. He's new. He's got a lot of other things he could do. He agreed to sit down with me in the church studio and, and do me the favor of, on this platform, uh, trying to provide a portrait of who he is and, and what he's about. So I would invite you, if you're connected to the community of Nowata or you're just curious about the state of public education in small rural towns, uh, tune in, stay with us, and I'll, I'll just invite you to, to, to pay attention and know how it is that you can support Tim and uh, what he's hoping to do here in Nowata. So Tim, thank you so much for joining me. How are you? Thank you, Jeffrey. I'm, I'm grateful and humbled and appreciate the opportunity to be here. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun to be able to do something like this. Sure. And, and as we were saying before the cameras turned on, my hope is that um, that we are building up the community of Nowata together, that yes. that um, our your institution and my institution and several other institutions around town can, can come around this town and uh, help build up some of the social trust that maybe has been lost or kind of fallen by the wayside over the last few years. So you're stepping into an institution where there's been some turnover over the last few years. I've known some of the superintendents before you, and they've been excellent leaders, but I, I'm eager to get to know you, and so maybe we could get a basic bio about you, where you're from, and, and what you're passionate about. Okay. Um, well, um, started uh, started off and born and raised in a in, um, small town in northeast Ohio, Wadsworth, Ohio, and um, came from a very humble background um, beginnings it was uh, um, struggled a little bit we had challenges as a family like like a lot of families and and um, uh, didn't necessarily do well in school uh, as a as a student myself and um, uh, after after high school thought I had some limited options I decided to join the military and so military brought me to Fort Sill uh, Oklahoma and uh, uh, I was I was in the military for three years, was in a service-connected accident, and that facilitated me being medically, um, medically but honorably discharged. And uh, I had to take a different uh, had to take a different route for my life at that point. And because uh, at, at the time I was fully intending on making the military a career, so. I started college and uh, and was started off as an accounting major. It wasn't for me, and and I took a few classes uh, revolving around education and and found that was my niche. That's what I wanted to do, and so I uh, became an English teacher and started my career then in Lawton, Oklahoma, uh, teaching at MacArthur Junior High School, ninth grade English and. And was a teacher for 15 years uh, between Lawton and was spent five years in cash. And uh, when my son graduated high school, he had a scholarship that took him to back into Ohio. And my wife and I were uh, decided we wanted to follow him. And and so at that point, I moved from being a teacher and a coach into administration, and became a middle school principal in Wellington, Ohio. Uh, what year was that that you moved back to Ohio? That was 2000 and that was 2013. Okay. We went back to Ohio. Okay. And I was a, nope, sorry about that. That was 2009. Oh, okay. Sure. Okay. 2009, I went back to Ohio and spent six years as a uh, middle school principal. Son took a, graduated college, took a job in Chicago. My wife and I decided we wanted to move back to Oklahoma to be a little bit closer to her family. Her mom was was um, going through and still is going through some medical issues and we kind of pulled at our heartstrings. We wanted to wanted to get a little closer. Sure. So ended up taking a job in Oklahoma City Schools, lived in Yukon and uh, worked at Class in SAS, which is a wonderful school, and uh, as a principal there for two years. And uh, then I accepted a position as a superintendent for Winniewood Public Schools and okay. spent the last six years down south on I-35 in Winniewood, um, and, um, and, and and fortunately uh, ended up now being hired by Nawada Public Schools, and so here I am. So you have how many kids? I have two. I have a son and, uh, and a daughter. Daughter lives in northeast Ohio and the son outside of Chicago. 
Okay. Okay. So there are new grandbabies too. Oh, it's hard so. to be that far from grandbabies. So I hope you're able to get up there and well, are you driving up there regularly? Uh, we fly as much as we can sure. just because we can spend more time there that way. Sure. Um, my wife works for the Winniewood refinery and they're on a rotating type shift. So she gets off seven days each month and that allows her to go back and see the grandkids a lot more than I get to. But um, I'm glad that, that she's able to, to do that. So we don't see them nearly as much as I would like to, but between them coming here and us being able to go there mm-hmm. on breaks and different times, um, we're able to establish a relationship. A lot of FaceTiming going on, too. Of course, yeah. It's a great time for technology. Absolutely. So um, you've had two kids that, that you've raised as a career educator, Um and then you had how many years in as as an educator coach before you became an administrator? I uh, fifteen. Fifteen years. Fifteen okay. years. Yes, sir. All right. So that's a good base. So um, what are what are things that you find that you're uh, from your personal experience? Lessons you learned from your personal experience that you're passionate about in the local uh, school system, teachers and administrators knowing how to do to to not necessarily serve, but to well, serve, educate uh, children and touch their families. What are, what are some things that, that uh, you as a unique educator uh, came to value? And, and Go ahead. I no, I understand. And, and, um, and you hit the nail on the head when you said serve because yeah. that's ultimately, I feel as an educator, that's what we're here to do. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I take that, that very, very seriously and I take it to heart. Uh, coming from the humble beginnings that I did and the challenges that I had to work through and, and being raised uh, in an environment that didn't value education. Um, I have come to, to be an advocate for, for, I feel voices who are marginalized, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, for the underdog. I am, if, if, you know, you always have those kids that, that struggle, uh, they come to school and what, and on the outside, what you see, are kids that might be labeled as a problem student or a troublemaker mm-hmm. or this, mm-hmm. and all kids are good. There's underlying, there are underlying reasons for why those behaviors come out and why things do the way they do. And and sometimes you just have to take the time to to understand those kids, to have mm-hmm. a relationship. On one of the most important things we can do as educators, I believe is building relationships with our students, uh, building relationships, and that goes with every, with our staff. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to be able to understand where they're coming from, why they're making the decisions they make, so that ultimately then we can provide the right type of service and the right kind of help so that hopefully then by the time that they graduate, we, we're able to put them on a path that leads them to a fruitful life and a successful life. Yeah, yeah. One of the reasons I was kind of reluctant to use the word serve is because so many people increasingly come to the public education system as consumers. And, you know, here's here's what we want you to do for us. And, and it's much more than teaching math and reading sometimes. Sometimes it's I want you to teach my kids discipline, but, but uh, I want you to have your hands tied behind your back. I want you to to uh, uh, equip them to to do any number of things, and I don't want them to be a hassle whenever they come home, and I I want them to get good grades, and so often they put things on the plates of educators that are on their plate, you know, so I, I wonder if, I don't know what the way forward is that helps uh, adults, parents take responsibility for what happens in their homes and work collaboratively alongside of the public school system as the public school system tries to build up their children. It's it's an odd time that we're living in. I've seen a comic where uh, it shows the 1950s and it shows today where um, in the 1950s, it's the parents on the side of the teacher uh, being crossed with the child saying, we need you to straighten up. And But today it has a new picture where it's the parents sitting with the kid looking at the teacher saying, we need you to straighten up. And I, I wonder if we're, we're better off today than we were in the 1950s. And, of course, you can't turn back the clock, but I do want to, to do what we can to help parents here to come alongside of the school system and not expect you all to do everything for them, but to say, hey, you're the ones teaching them basic skills for succeeding in life, and we're going to handle the uh, emotional values piece of it. So is, is, is that something that you've run up against a lot, or have you mostly found parents to be 
pretty easy in the school systems you've come from. No, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think there has been over time there has uh, uh, been s- sort of this switch or or uh, the roles uh, that that are now being required in school districts that perhaps weren't there mm-hmm. 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we do we struggle with that, but we also know we you know we uh, we know what we can control, and that's when we have those kids with us during mm-hmm. from eight to three. We have control over that time. We don't have a lot of control over what happens before eight a.m. and after three p.m. Right. Yeah. However, what one thing that's very important, and it, and it is a priority of mine coming in Nawada, and it was a it's been a priority of mine wherever I wherever I've been, mm-hmm. is that is that we work, we have to work twice as hard right now to, to bring parents on board, to, to make them a part of the educational team and so that, so that it isn't like that comic illustrated for you where, where you've got a, a, a butting of heads right. between a parent and an educator. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to become a team. If we want to do the right thing by kids, yeah. it takes a village and it takes all of us. It takes the, it takes community partners. It takes our churches. It takes our businesses. It takes all of us right. to be able to make sure that we're, that we're doing the best that we can to ensure the success of our students moving exactly. forward. So, so one thing that, that I, that I believe in is is building those relationships with the parents, making sure and inviting them to be part of the educational community. COVID really threw a wrench into that because oh, sure. it forced everybody to stay away. And uh, and so that, that threw a wrench into things that we were doing at, at, when I was with Winniewood at the time. And 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 we're slowly being able to come mm-hmm. back out of that. And I, and I get that and I understand that there are uh, still issues revolving around that area. But by and large, we need to go ahead and and work towards creating those opportunities for parents to be a, to understand what's going on within the walls of the buildings of the schools that their children attend, mm-hmm. and to be and to be welcome there, and to feel that they're a part of that yeah. team. And so, so those kinds of things are important. And and we have gotten away from that, I believe, over the last twenty or thirty years. And uh, but it's something that in order for us to be successful. I think we have to figure it out, and I yeah. think we have to be able then to uh, come up with solutions that that include everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, as as you're talking about it, it's it's so clear to everybody that children need more attention, lot not less, you know, and it's not just from parents and educators, but also other supportive institutions like the church. I'm pretty proud of um, the children's ministry we have in our church, where we are. Um, we we have a crew of about seven kids that are here. Well, probably more like nine or ten that are here every week that we're really working on uh, teaching basic doctrines of the faith, memory retention, scripture engagement, knowing how to navigate books and be comfortable reading. Those are things that that um, I think in a community of faith can easily operate alongside of the school system and push children towards excellence. Um, Absolutely. But also there's this, um, there's this reality that once upon a time school systems dealt mostly with children that were average balanced emotionally, intellectually. And what's happened in the last couple decades is the school system has been expected to absorb all the children, every single child, and meet them where they are and give very tailored service, which, of course, is a, a very high order for teachers, you know, much less administrators. who are, And I would actually say the word impossible when we're looking at whether or not that can actually be done. I, I think so often the cards are stacked against you guys uh, to accomplish things that really can't be accomplished. Um, and, and so I, I think you're right to focus on parental involvement. I read this book a few years ago uh, called Alienated America. The, the author's name is escaping my mind, but he showed that um, the success of public schools hinges not necessarily on income, but on parental involvement in the school system. The more parents you have, helping teachers, uh, providing opportunities for students that they don't have when they just have a skeleton crew um, at the school. That really seems to make a huge difference so far as outcomes with kids. And so how is it that you imagine that parents can come alongside you and the administrators and the teachers to, to build up our children as best as we're able as a community? 
Well, I think that it begins with the district uh, being inviting and being welcome and making sure that we have opportunities for, for parents to come in and, and understand what we're doing. I think that uh, the onus of responsibilities begins with us to reach out and to and to invite. I, I think that the if the only time we're connecting with parents is when their child is doing something wrong, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, we're going to be we're we're digging ourselves a hole that we're yeah. not going to be able to get out of. So yeah. the communication has to be different, and and our mindset has to be different. You know, um, one of the things that as as we discuss what it was like before and what it's like now, uh, you know, is, is technology and screen time, right. social media, yeah. the different things. And so there's this, there's a battle too, that, that we're trying to, uh, compete with, mm-hmm. with, you know, kids now it's a lot of instant gratification and, right. and everything is in a 30 second soundbite. And, and so as a result of that over time, I believe that biologically your attention spans are, are becoming shorter yeah. and it becomes more difficult than, you know, a teacher has to become a, to be a performer uh, in order, you know, to, to keep kids in attention. If you ask me what, what probably is one of the most important uh, things in a classroom that I look for that, that uh, when, when I walk into a classroom is engagement, you know, sure. are, are we engaging our students? Are we keeping their attention? But some of the the realities that revolve around that is just it is very very difficult for our staff and for our teachers to to jump through that sometimes and I call it jumping through the hoops but almost you know putting on this show or being these this type of performer to be able to keep their attention right so so some of it is there there's almost a change a biological change in and I believe in what kids used to be and where they are now. Yeah. Um, I am a big proponent of, of reading. I was an English teacher. I, sure. I believe that, that literacy is the foundation for success for our students. Right. Uh, what we see what we see is is we see gaps. We see we see kids coming to elementary school and there might be a gap in in, in their living. They might be in second grade, but they don't. They're not necessarily at a second grade le- reading level. Right. So yeah. we've got to work. And you had mentioned meeting kids where they're at, mm-hmm. and that does become tricky, and it is complicated. And but but focusing on literacy and trying to eliminate that gap, and then and then maintaining that reading level for those kids as they work through elementary school into junior high. Mm-hmm. Junior high is where all of a sudden you see well. You know, you got a lot of discipline problems. You know, it's a uh, from a from again from a biological standpoint, junior high years are tricky. It's tough. You know, the hormones are raging. There's oh, there's different things just in in their development, just in their natural development that they're going through that we've gone through since the beginning of time right, when yeah. it comes to kids. Yeah, and yeah. and so we have to. And, but what also becomes obvious then is that that literacy gap. That when you're in third grade isn't so big, but as you go through, pounds, yeah. and by the time you're in seventh and eighth grade, now it's a bigger grab. Now you have mm-hmm. a, an eighth grader that's reading on third or fourth grade level, and they're not understanding what they're reading, mm-hmm. and so they're also, you know, very socially conscious, and and they don't want to appear like they don't know. So you have behaviors; they act out, they do things to distract from the obvious problem. Right. You know, is that they don't understand what they're doing, but they don't want everybody to know that. They don't want them to think. That they're dumb. They don't want them to think sure, that they don't yeah. know. So, so you have these 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 negative behaviors that will appear, and and as they go from junior high then on to high school, you stop caring, and then their grades drop and they fail. And now you've got your dropout rates because what's the point? I'm right. failing anyway. Why why even go to school? And so, mm-hmm. you know, we put kids I feel on this on this pathway that if we don't address. And, I, and it's and I'm over probably way oversimplifying it by saying it's a literacy problem, but I believe that that if we can if we can get that under control and we can figure out how to close those gaps mm-hmm. and keep kids reading on grade level, that a lot of the problems that we face are going to take care of themselves. Yeah, yeah. Jordan Peterson says not just reading but writing. Learning how to read and write is learning how to think. And if you don't know how to do those things, then you you cannot think as well. You you cannot critically think. You cannot manage information well. Absolutely. And so learning how not just to read but to write is so critical. I spent, um, I want to say, a year and a half volunteering 
at a first grade classroom here in Nowata Public Schools. And I uh, served, I, I would just sit at a desk outside of the classroom and take one child at a time who would come out and read to me. And the disparity in reading ability at that point was tremendous, yes. you know. Yeah. Um, and I noticed that in my own children. I have a seven-year-old now who she took to reading like that at four years old. I got a five-year-old now boy who's not taken nearly as quickly and gets irritated with it. So, um, you know, I, I understand there's, there's, you know, some of it is different children are capable of different different outputs, but there's also the reality that um, when you have a whole classroom with very disparate IQs, very disparate uh, situations whenever they get home, it's, it's an immensely tremendous job to keep kids all on the same page moving forward together, especially whenever it's not the norm to hold kids back. Uh, and I know it's still done Sometimes, but it, I feel like it's much more rare than once upon a time it was. Maybe that's an illusion. But um, I, I think you're absolutely right to focus on reading as core and key. Someone's just not going to succeed in life if they don't know how to read. There's, right. there's very limited um, jobs that they can do, capacities in which they can operate in society. We absolutely need to focus on reading as, as well as we can. I don't know if you saw it or not, um, Barry Weiss has a, an outlet where she does in-depth reporting on social changes. One of them is uh, reading in the public education system in America. And one of the things that she reported on was um, once upon a time, reading was taught phonetically, where you yes. learn to just fit the letters together and, and see the general rules. And uh, over the last 20, 30 years, that is not the method. It's, it's teaching context clues and like guessing. Um, there was a word for it, and I don't remember it. But it, it seems like once upon a time we weren't as confused as a society about how to do basic education. And for some reason, a lot of the basics just kind of got weird. Um, uh, as you look at newer models of education versus older models, um, understanding that we don't have the kids that we had in the 1950s who would sit at a desk and remain quiet and respectful – do you consider your sensibilities more old school, thinking that that um, one room school teachers knew what they were doing, and 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 that there is something to be said for just simplicity of uh, reading, math, basics, or do you find yourself much more drawn to newer modes of thinking that are focused on uh, tech? Um, what do they call that? Uh, STEM skills and preparing people uh, not for critical thinking necessarily, but for doing jobs. Or do you think that the the education system should be doing all of it um, and, and that we should be able to, um, yeah, I, don't, I, I guess I got too spread out on that question, but I do wonder as you're, as you're trying to manage our children, not manage, serve our children in this context, what do you think is realistic? Do you think that we should be sending them all to college, getting them all jobs, or, or finding ways to met, meet each kid where they are and um, just not have a default, just meet them where they are? Um, that's a great question. And, yeah, it's a, and it's too big a great. question. And, that was a stupid and, and it question. Is. You're, you're talking about an issue, though, that that is that's that's complex yeah. to the very least. However, to answer your question, yeah. I think that that in education we tend to we tend to to almost be like a pendulum. We're either we're either way up here and we're doing like common when we went to the Common Core math. Oh and yeah, the new meant to of, ask about that. So yeah. when things when 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 a new educational trend and there's buzzwords that go along with that, you know, we jump on board and we're all the way up here. And and then we realize a few years later that, eh, you know what, that's not working. Uh -huh. And so now we're going to swing all the way back here and we're right. going to go this direction. Yeah. And so it's almost an all or nothing. And, we, and, and, and I'm not talking about necessarily your local public schools. Uh, I'm talking about things that happen to come down from from state departments of education about right. how we need to do things and 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 different uh, theorists who who are all on one they're just they're focused on one way of doing things mm -hmm. um, I do believe in balance and in moderation but more importantly right I believe in doing what works and so if you ask me am I more I I am more old school when it comes to some some things I do mm -hmm. believe that there's value in our kids when you're in elementary school. Learning their times tables, their mo and right. their, their addition yeah. and subtraction tables, and memorizing those, yeah, rote learning, and doing yeah. those things because that's a foundation. That's a foundational 
tool that they need to be able to do math. Right. All right. So I do believe in in doing that. I uh, you you had brought up you know um, or gave an example um, uh, when you were talking about. Uh, you know, the old school versus the technology and having and, 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 and bringing all that in. I think there's a place for that. Yeah. But I don't think that we need to do it for the sake of doing it just because it looks good yeah. on paper or because it's a soundbite, you know, and, and on Facebook. Um, yeah. I don't believe that that's I – don't, I don't believe in that. Sure. I think that if there is an applicable uh, – if there's an applicable way that we need to be using technology that does advance – and and that, and another thing is is that it's not technology isn't it's it's a tool it's a it's it's what helps us achieve our goal of educating our kids so it's right. it's not the uh, uh, technology just using it for the sake of using it is is a in my mind a wrong way and 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 it's not a fruitful way of using that we you know technology ought to be used as a tool to help further our children's education. Right. And so, and not every, and so, which means that, that it doesn't have to, we don't have to fall for the newest gimmick. And I, and I'll say that I think a lot of times, and I'm not pointing, you know, um, it's easy to grab for the shiny bulb on the tree, Mm -hmm. you know, that's going to get a lot of attention, but that's not necessarily the right way that we need to go about it. So from a, from an educational stance, I do believe that there has to be a balance of both the, the ways that we have done things in the past right. because I do believe that there's a lot of ways that work. And uh-huh. so just because it's just because it doesn't involve an iPhone or an iPad or something like that doesn't right. mean that it's not effective. And, and so I think that we've got to allow teachers and we have to train teachers uh-huh. to understand that we need to use methods that work for our kids right. and not just use a method because it's, it happens to be the newest thing and we're going to order this and and look at our school. We have we have smart monitors oh, and look we can at do us, these yeah. things and uh-huh. do this. You know, I'm, I, again, all that stuff looks great, but yeah. at the end of the day, is it is it helping us do our job? Right. And so, I'm a I'm I think I'm a kind of guy that that believes in a balance and more importantly, I believe in using the tools that work. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like wisdom. I uh, I read an article several years ago now on how Sesame Street was the beginning of the end for um, education that isn't fun on the front end. You know, as we're talking about declining um, attention spans, that we, we learned that education is supposed to be both uh, quality and fun and trying to do both those things at the same time in many ways makes it so that teachers feel like they have to be entertainers rather than right. once upon a time teachers were not trying to entertain. They were just learn your times tables. You know, look at these letters, fit them together. It, I, I, I just, I, I have an immense level of pity <laughs> and sympathy really for educators. And I know, I know some personally who have so much energy for figuring out what works for kids. And I, I think that's wonderful. And I, I have no doubt, I know several of the teachers here locally wonderful people who care very much about their students. I think they're very much going to appreciate your desire for balance. You're not closed to technology or newer ways of doing things, but also you don't think that the way we did things in the 50s and 60s and 70s was entirely wrongheaded and needed to be upended. So we we just need to take the lessons of the old and build with the new, and I think that's what wisdom sounds like. You did bring up, um, just briefly, there are state boards of education, or there are state standards that have to be met, and and that has to do with all kinds of limitations. Uh, it also has to do with kind of the ethos that, that you have in, in the um, the schools. We have a, oh, I forget his actual title. Is his name Ryan Walters, who's the head of education? The state superintendent, yes, sir. State superintendent. He's made kind of his bread and butter, the, the culture war, mm-hmm. anti-woke um, stuff. It's something that uh, all cards on the table I think is a real thing. I, I, I've seen a lot of stuff that concerns me on East and West Coast in America, things happening in the public school system that I, I think um, are not the place of, of school to be doing necessarily. I, I guess I'm telling you how to answer your question. <laughs> I shouldn't do that. But um, when you're talking about social-emotional learning, um, efforts to, to socialize our kids in the school system. And, and um, you know, of course, they use the language of 
we're just teaching them to function well out in the world. You know, we're teaching them the skills that they need not to, to be bad people when they get out. But, but how much of that stuff of, of socializing our children in this brave new world we're living in, do you feel that that is the responsibility of the school, or do you really think that the school needs to primarily just focus on basic education, basic discipline issues, and those values and ways to be in relationship? That's more the parents' and, and other institutions' jobs. It would be nice if that's what we were able to focus on, but that's not the reality mm-hmm. that we live in. Um, we, unfortunately, you know, we do a lot of, uh, we help raise children in our schools, but right. I think that we've always helped raise our children in schools. There are child's in school, you know, six, seven hours, whatever they are a day, right. and, and that's a big chunk of their day, so there's obviously going to be influence. Now, sure. What um, what I do believe is is that, and 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 I think that unfairly um, teachers get condemned for 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 doing things. Uh, that I, I, and I can't say if they do or don't. I know that in my 30, 31 years, that that practically across the board, when a, when a teachers when they're teaching their kids in a classroom. They're not teaching them what to think. They're trying to teach them how to think. Sure. And and I think, but and I also you had brought up critical thinking and how yeah. important that is. How right. to be able to determine fact from fiction. How to be able to look at an issue and be able to extract things that aren't biased. Now right. it's tough because back when I was a kid, when when you turned on the news or you read the paper, it was an unbiased. Uh, it was an unbiased view. They gave they gave facts and they talked about a situation, but it wasn't swayed or or politicized as it right. as it is now. Because right now everything is politicized. Yes, my problem in Oklahoma is is the politicizing of public education, and and it's there's no room for that. Yeah. And in my mind, we mm-hmm. we can't politicize it, and it's not about a political. Uh, whether you're a Democrat, Republican, or an Independent, or something else, mm-hmm. that 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 has there's no room for that. But what we have to be able to do is say, okay, in in your in your history classes, or your government classes, your civics classes, here are the tenets of what of the Republican Party. Here are the tenets of a Democratic Party. Sure. Here is where they started. Here is what how they've evolved, and have be able to have a discussion with that without fear of losing your license because. Because you're saying something that that somebody at the State Department doesn't agree with, and and again, it doesn't. It's we're not inviting. In my mind, we're not inviting. We're not over there saying uh, this is one of the reddest states in the in the country. Sure. And so, but if you listen to our our state superintendent, it's a it's it's we're all liberal classrooms trying to push a liberal agenda, and that's and that's just not true. And uh, uh, so, but what is true is that is that what teachers do, like they've always done, is say, "Okay, we want you to be able to think for yourself." Mm-hmm. That's the goal. Mm-hmm. We want you to make a determination and be able to make up your own mind. So, so trying to teach kids how to do that mm-hmm. is difficult, but it always has been, and and I think it's more difficult now because oh, sure. of the exposure they get to different uh, media outlets and sources, you know. On, whether it's whether it's Facebook and those types of things, or even our own, even news stations, you know, mm-hmm. the, no longer is it a is it a an unbiased view. Right. There's there's going to be depending on what station you want to put on, there's going to be a slant. Sure. And so so having the tools to be able to discern uh, what is an opinion or what is fiction from what is fact becomes extremely difficult. Remember yes. when we were kids, and and, uh, and you're young, and so you may not even done this, but I remember having to do research, and I was going through the card catalogs uh-huh. and and try and looking up, uh, you know, magazine articles and, and journals and different sure. things to get my research from. And so, you know, with the internet and and with the, you, know, you don't know what sources are reputable and what sources uh-huh. you can rely on. So, so learning how to do research in my mind is 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 much more difficult than it used to be but it's also much more important now that we give kids the tools to be able to come up with and understand and discern 
um, opinion from fact, yeah, uh, fact from fiction. Yeah. Well, and there, I, I saw recently a, a video produced in the early 1950s that was um, ostensibly a, a child sitting down with a, a, an instructor at school who was explaining how propaganda works and different ways in which people's minds are manipulated. And once upon a time, this was a, a video that was actually commonly showed in the public education system. It's, it's felt to me as though there are many practical things so far as navigating the world wisely that, that public, some public schools have neglected to the detriment of students. And, and so something that I have a hobby horse about is uh, fiscal management of a household is something that um, generally the American population is terrible at. It, most, it, I want to say uh, 60% of American households cannot afford an unexpected $400 uh, expense. And when that's the case, I mean, yes, there's an income issue there, but there's also a money management issue there. And and the vast majority of, of students I've known that are graduating from public schools do not know how to balance a checkbook or do the equivalent di- digitally, do not know how to govern uh, their desires and say no to themselves when they have the money in the bank not to spend it. I'm very hopeful and I've talked to previous superintendents about it. I'm hopeful that there can be some kind of mandatory class for graduates. I don't know if you can even do that by state law, where they have to learn how to do these things, how to have a budget, but also basic homemaking. There are a lot of, um, once upon a time, schools uh, had homemaking classes, that what, what they called home economics, I think they called it, yeah. where you had to learn how to cook, how to care for a baby, how to, how to do basic house cleaning. And I step into households all the time where people, they don't magically know how to do this. They never learned. And they're so, you have 30, 40 year old people that are so intimidated by this. We just started a ministry a few months ago called Bountiful Tables, where uh, women are gathering to learn how to cook together and make meals together and take them home to their families. And you wouldn't believe how hard it's been just convincing some women to join them because they're so insecure about their inabilities in the kitchen. Um, there's some some basics about life that um, you know you can say that that parents are responsible for, but it sure would be nice if uh, you had uh, shop and home economics class and uh, basic finance that would equip students. How much are your hands tied, you? But I mean, the school district, public education, is that something that can even be done the way it used to anymore, or is that just something where? Um, there, there's a hard no there, or you just need to focus on other priorities that kind of preclude that. I've just been curious about this for some time. Oh, Jeffrey, that's a, and it's funny that you bring that up because I believe that school districts are going back to that. Um, now the shop, maybe not so much. They're not doing that. That's with the, the with the uh, um, with with the vocational technology centers mm-hmm. uh, offering offering that type of thing. You don't see that so much as you do in in high schools, but. Uh, Nawada's bringing back home ec this year. Hey, um, so, that's great. And, 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 I, and I brought it to Winniewood. I, I, I'm not the one that brought it to Nawada. That was that was done, and that was a great decision. Excellent. That was something that yeah. I would have done. And um, and you're right. There 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 is a lack of some fundamental life knowledge, life skills mm-hmm. that that I do believe that there is a place for that in public schools, and that it should be, and that it should be taught. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited about the, 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 we're bringing that back to Nawada. I yeah. think that that's a great thing. I think it was a great thing in, uh, in Winniewood. Right. Um, you know, sewing, I, I learned how to sew a button on. I had home ec when I was, uh, when I was a kid in high school, mm-hmm. you know, I can, I can still sew a button on it. If a button falls off a shirt, I can thread a needle and sew on a button. Nice. Yeah. And, um, and so in these different things, uh, now I wasn't great with my shop skills. I'm, uh, I will tell you that I, I made a birdhouse and some things and wasn't exactly what I would call, um, my angles weren't necessarily right angles and it wasn't really balanced when I was done, but it was, it was something that opened, uh, it, it gave me an opportunity to see if that was a skill or something that, that if I did have an inclination right. toward that that could be a career path. Yeah. Um, you had brought up about uh, career paths and, and about, you know, getting kids ready for college. And, yeah. and, and I meant to touch on that. Yeah, please. But there are, you know, trades are every bit as important as going to college. And right. as a matter of fact, maybe even more so now mm-hmm. because we seem to have less people interested 
in in going into a into a trade. Part of that's because you know it's it's a lot of work, right? And, and it's and it's hard work, but it is lucrative if if you do that and you have an aptitude for it or an inclination to 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 learn that. Absolutely, I think it's great. So I'm a proponent of sure. of of it isn't about whether or not I I think that it's at one point. You know that pendulum I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Every, we were trying to get everybody college ready. Yeah, and and that's just not realistic. Yeah, because everybody's not going to go to college, and mm-hmm. college isn't for everyone. Thank goodness for that. Too. Right. Yeah. You know how would our our society be if if we didn't have plumbers, electricians, bricklayers, and you know, laborers, and mm-hmm. different people to to do the hard stuff, to uh-huh. do the things that need to be done that build our infrastructure. Yeah, and they, and they keep us moving on a truck drivers to keep mm-hmm. us to keep us moving forward on a daily basis. So it isn't it isn't about whether or not we're you know that we should be proud if if 60, 70 percent of our kids go to college. That's not something we should be looking at as as a point of pride or or even something that I think it's it's a data point you look at. Sure. But I don't think it's something that we look at and say, ooh, we've got to get our We've got to raise the uh, level of uh, of attendance of our kids coming out of high school going into college. Right. Yeah. Now, what you look at is okay after after high school are they have we set them up so that they can go be an electrician's apprentice? Have we have we created a pathway for them earlier on? Yeah. This beginning and even in even as early as as uh, junior high, seventh and eighth grade, where we're exposing them to different occupations so that when they do graduate. They don't just they don't walk off the stage and have abs- go back home and sit down at a video game and have absolutely oh, sure. no clue as to how they're going to support themselves or what they want to do with the rest of their lives. Yeah. And and so I do believe it's our responsibility to introduce kids to as many different pathways and options as we can so that hopefully that when they do graduate they have a sense of what they might like and, right. and, and, and so that they can create their own future then from that point. I hope it works that way. You know, I've, I've seen, you know, we've, um, we've introduced my kids to knitting, um, uh, crocheting. I never learned to do these things. I never had the want to. Um, we, we've introduced them to, to cooking and, yes. and uh, different basic things, and it's weird to see... Um, that they like things that I didn't as a kid, that they like things that I, I really was not good at, and I'm still not good at, you know? Sure. And there was nothing indicating to me that they fit a certain profile. And maybe they're not going to in the future. Maybe they're going to change. But the only way to really know if someone has a passion and a skill for something is to introduce them to it. Absolutely. And it's just a very basic form of doing things. And yet so often, you know, there's a, there's a huge investment on the end of doing something new, learning something yes. new. And there's a, a recalcitrance that children learn a lot of times from cranky adults like me to just just let me do it the way I do it. And school can be this wonderful opportunity to learn new things and right. dip your toes into and and hopefully by the time they've gone through the system, they've learned that, hey, I really enjoyed, uh, they're not going to have shop class, but home ec, or I really enjoyed learning how to budget, or I really enjoyed, um, I, I think I have some Votech skills, or man, I really enjoy the world of ideas, and I think I should go to college. So I, I, I love the balance that you're given. I love the the overall ethos you're presenting. Of course, uh, we're going to be watching you for the coming years and learning how it is that that, that gets put into practice and, and how it is that your values impact the, the staff and the culture at, at the schools. And of course, you're limited by the personalities that are there, you know, you can't just come in and I'm this way. So everybody, and I don't hear you wanting to do that at all. You're going to work with what you got and you're going to lead hopefully in the ways that, that would help our children flourish. Um, the, the thing I knew I wanted to end on was, um, inviting you to talk about the ways in which parents and community leaders can support you and your teachers and administrators over the coming Let's just talk about the first year, and then maybe if it goes well, we'll do this again or something. But over the coming year, as you're getting to know us, we're getting to know you, what is it that we can do for you that would just really make things a lot easier? I think that there has to be a, there has to be a willingness to, to, to have a relationship with our school districts and our staff. And, and when I say that, 
I uh, specifically, I'm, I mean communication. Again, if, if, if what we would like to see and what personally I would like to see is that if, if a parent or somebody in the community, maybe they've heard something or maybe they see something that doesn't sit well with them. Mm-hmm. And so instead of either letting that little seed grow into, into something bigger than it should be or um, hurry and, and, and getting on Facebook and saying, I saw, you know, this going on. And, and then all of a sudden you have, you know, 30 comments where people are going to pipe up and, and mm-hmm. maybe that incident, maybe it's, maybe there's truth to it. Maybe there's not, sure. but I think that if, if what I would encourage are conversations, right. I would, that's what I want to see. I want to see open lines of communication with our community and our parents, with our school district. Um, I, I don't want to, I do not want battles to be fought out on social media or right. or I don't want people just to shrug their shoulders and say, well, that's just the way that the school's doing it and there's mm-hmm. nothing I can do about it. I want them, uh, I want them to know that that we are we are here for them and we will listen to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, that has to be a reciprocal thing. We'll reach out too. Yeah. That has to be something that, again, as, as I begin this year, that I impart to my staff is, is having that same um, open heart, if you will, mm-hmm. um, to, to understanding just to be, to be good listeners yeah. and to understanding a, uh, what may be an issue that a parent might be going through or that a child might be going through. You know, understanding those things goes a long way to coming up with, with solutions to problems. Right. And so not everything has to be a monumental issue. You know, and I and I think that that as as technologically advanced as we get, and as easy sometimes as as it seems like it it, it is getting to communicate, that communication is is a lot of times done in isolation. Text messages, emails, those things are you know those are fine and they have a place, but I'm not sure that when uh, and I'll give you an example real quick. Sure, yeah. Um, I've had situations to where I've had um, young teachers. There's been a problem with a parent. And so they, they literally send 30 to 40 messages, emails back and forth, each one building with intensity and divisiveness yeah. Yeah. When, when it could have probably been handled with a five-minute conversation because somebody misconstrued a tone that was sure. in that email yeah. or something wasn't phrased the right way. So the person on the other end not having that that uh, ability to be able to, to clarify or see their face or understand that tone, um, taking it wrong. And now the original problem is not even the problem anymore. It's, it's, they've, they've built a wall. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so the communication has become extremely, it's become broken and it's yeah. become divisive. Yeah. And, and so, I, you know, that's what, you know, we, again, we talked about some of the old ways versus some of the new ways. I do believe that open lines of face-to-face conversation, if not face-to-face, at least a phone, phone call phone, where yeah. they're talking to each other yeah. and being able to work through a problem. Um, and I know sometimes that's hard picking up that phone and dialing that number because you know that it might not be, it's going to, it might be a hard conversation. Right. But I can, but nine times out of 10, when you hang that phone up, you, if you're, again, if both people have approached that with, with an open heart and an open mind. Yeah. Um, and, and if the focus always remains on what's best for the kid. Mm-hmm. And so, and you, you, you'd hear me say that a lot, you know, decisions, all of our decisions you now need to be based on what's best for right. kids. Exactly. And so it's not about, it's not about me and my personal feelings. Mm-hmm. It's not, a, it's not about that. It's about, okay, is this, is the route we're going, is that what's best for this young man or young woman mm-hmm. moving forward? Yeah. And, uh, and so we keep our focus on what's on what's doing what's best for kids and keeping an open mind and an open heart when it comes to that person sitting across the table from us and 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 truly listening to what they have to say and mm-hmm. hearing their their issue or their problem uh, and not just discounting it right off the bat exactly yeah um, I do believe then that that many many more doors open and and problem and there are many solutions become apparent yeah I I I 
I'm a fan of the uh, saying, uh, this is why we can't have nice things. You know, I say yeah. that to my kids, you know, whenever yeah. they're they're running around and acting a fool and something gets broken, you know, yeah. but also that's that's what public institutions are like is, you know, when when we are not being good to one another, of course things are going to fall apart and this is why we can't have nice things is yeah. because we don't govern ourselves accordingly. So if I heard you right right now, um, the the primary thing I hear you saying that parents and and uh, other community leaders can do to be helpful is to just be gracious and not infer. I mean, sometimes people do say and do bad things. Sometimes That's right. teachers really do betray trust, and we need to have an eye on that and do something about it. Absolutely. But a lot there are a lot of situations in life that don't require that level of anxiety or right. resentment. And um, it shouldn't be too much to ask that grown-ups behave like grown-ups and that, that when we have a concern, we bring it to each other with respect and with the possibility that maybe I'm, I'm seeing things wrong. Help me see right. things differently. But if we're coming at each other with, hey, I don't like the way that my kid came home and, and reported this to me, or, hey, I really don't like the way that this letter read, you know, um, and then you're airing that publicly in writing – that has a huge toxic effect on the community that we've seen time and time again. And I, I know it's not just a no water thing, right. but I think there has to be an intentional, if we want to have nice things, if we want to have people who are happy to serve our community, then we have to, to fight that short-term urge to, to write something angrily and to be thinking more about the long-term. Do I really want my teacher to be an enemy, my kid's teacher to be an enemy? Do I really want to be at odds with the school district and looking at homeschooling or transferring school districts? Uh, that doesn't sound fun to me. So how about we just um, have the hard conversation right now and maybe it doesn't have to get bad. So I, 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 I think that that's something that's not just school districts. I think that's every institution. I mean, this is why we see people withdrawing from public and just doing th watching Netflix all day and playing video games all day. It's just easier in the short term to do things on our own terms and not have to deal with other people. But long term, that really warps us. Yes. And we have to work collaboratively on things with people that we don't always see eye to eye with, and we have to be gracious. Right. And, and huge points you brought up. And that's what Again, along with those critical thinking skills mm -hmm. and, and the ability for kids to discern fact from opinion, collaborating, working with people that you don't see eye to eye with, that's a skill. That's not something that you're necessarily born with. Right. But we have to put kids in positions so that they are doing that collaboration and, and that they are thinking for themselves. Yes. I'd read, this was, this was a few years ago, but I read from a, uh, uh, one of a, an executive from a major oil company in, uh, based out of Houston, I don't remember if it was Exxon or, or, or what the oil company um, was at the time, but one of the things that struck me when they were, he was, they were talking about college graduates and, and hiring people, and he said, I want to have, I'd like to hire one time, I'd like to hire somebody that I don't have to hold their hand and make every decision for them because because they're not equipped to do that because right. they've yeah. never because they've 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 grown up in in a time and in a way that didn't foster collaboration mm -hmm. didn't foster critical thinking mm -hmm. and so can't make a decision if you can't think right and, yeah you know and so you have to be able to have the tools to be able to think through problems and and that's what's important and and so that's why I'm a big fan of of areas that slow kids down, um, such as uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of chess clubs because oh, that's okay. a thinking game. That's something that you you can't just move and, and, and it's not a quick game. And so, uh, or, or coding, you know, is become, oh, because it's a code, logical yeah. thing because that's not a quick thing and you have to be able to problem solve to be able to figure that out. Math is almost a whole other language and people, a lot of times people, and, and the reason math seems like it's been getting, the skills have been getting worse over time, part of that has to do with the fact that you 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 have to think through a math problem and if you make a mistake, you've got to be able to have the patience to go back through yes. and find that mistake. Yes. And so those are all skills. Mm -hmm. um, reading music is, is another thing that helps kids develop thinking skills that helps them cognitively. Yes. And so I think that we've got to, again, going, you know, and I circle back to it, the, the, the 
a melding, if you will, of those of the of the things that worked and mattered 30 years ago with some of the with the new ways of maybe presenting them that we have now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the skills in and of themselves are important. And whether it be because of budgets or because of different things that sometimes, you know, the State Department takes away a lot of our autonomy and they tell us here's what you need to do. And here's they give you they give us an unrealistic um, amount of standards and say you have to teach each one of these. And they, you know, and so um, we, we know that that if I have a list of 15 things and I've got and I've got, you know, three hours to accomplish those 15 things. Probably um, um, I might get them done, but they're not going to be done well. Sure. They're going to be – I'm yeah. going to get them done. I'm going to meet the bare minimum, and then I'm going to move on because I've got X number of minutes to do X number of things, mm-hmm. and that's the requirement. But if I have a list of three things or four things and I have that time period, now I can teach that to mastery. Now I can take what's – I can I – can, I can dive deep into it yeah. and, and make sure that those things are being taught rather than – touching on it and saying I taught it and moving on mm-hmm. to the next thing. Yeah. And so so a lot of times, you know, we get put into our teachers get put into impossible situations. Yes. And and so we've got to so at some point common sense and reason has to win. It has to it 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 has to be the forefront and it has to be the foundation of what of what we're trying to do. We have to be able to look and say, okay, what's important? Mm-hmm. What do we need my second grader to know to be successful in third grade? What is that? What does that require? And then we're gonna we're gonna focus on those things, and we're going and and I think that's how you grow, and that's how you end up with a well balanced student who or a child who 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 is reading on grade level, yeah. who understands mathematics and yeah. understands numeracy and can do those things, you know. So. So again, my philosophy is we use common sense and we and and we and we do what's best for kids. Yeah, common sense is harder to find nowadays than once upon it's a time. Not so common, it, is it? No, no, it's not so common. But um, I I uh, I love hearing your thoughts on it, and I I if I haven't said it yet, I, I think you're working with an excellent staff over there. I I personally know a number of them and the heart that they have for their students. And um, I, I just think you're very, you know, there, there are challenges in Nowata, but I just think you're a very blessed man to step into this community and have the, the team to work with that you've got. Um, we, we've talked through a, a good deal of stuff, and I appreciate how candid you've been and how transparent. Is there anything else that you're thinking would be helpful to, to make sure that the community of Nowata knows about you, or are we at the place now where we can just... Uh, watch you and, and see what you do and come alongside you as best as we can. I um I would just like to I would like to say that you know I think half of the battle is 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 getting to know somebody is building that relationship and and that's my goal with the community mm-hmm. and with our businesses. Um, I want uh, I want our community members, our family members, to know that my door is open. That there is nothing on my desk. There's not a single piece of paper or form or report or item that's more important than that than the student, the community member, the family member that's going to be sitting across from me. I don't care what's going on. If I'm there, you're going to have 100% of my attention. I'm going to listen to what you have to say. And and we're going to talk through things. And And I invite people, you know, to come. If they see me, I'm going to try to be visible. That's, that is my responsibility. I'm going to to be, uh, I'm going to be visible at community events and, and within the community. My, we're moving into a home in uh, on Pecan Street, and oh, uh, uh, hopefully, hopefully about the middle of August, and and um, and so it's it's important that we're part of the community. It's yes. important that we that we share in the struggles that they that that they have, and that, because their struggles are our, our struggles too. We're yeah. humans, and yes. and I guarantee you, we we go through a lot of the same things, and and so. Um, so as far as as far as that goes, I, I think that that's going to be a shared responsibility. As far as my involvement, I'm going to uh, I'm going to make sure that I make a concerted effort mm-hmm. to put myself out there and and be and and be a part of the community. And and I hope that 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 is reciprocated. That people feel comfortable coming to me and and wanting to get to know me a little better too. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, now that you've invited that, I think people will be eager to to reach out to you, I think, and, and build those connections. Is there a, a particular way that you prefer that, that people who don't already know you get a hold of you? Do you want them to call the office, send you an email, find you on Facebook? How's a good way to connect with Any you? Any and all. If they, um, and so that's one thing, you know, again, I, I, uh, I enjoy conversations, you know, but answering a question on an email or doing something has it, if that's convenient for them or they're just looking for some information or they're trying, absolutely, I'll communicate any way that I can. Um, you know, I, um, I'm not afraid of people having my, my phone number and, and, uh, uh, matter of fact, I'll give it right now if that's okay. It's, uh, 440-935-8134. Um, if the only thing you can do is send a text message, that's great. I'll answer a text message. And uh, um, my email address is, is on the website, tsimpson at npsok.org.org. Um, you can email me. You don't have to have an appointment um, to come in. Sometimes that's hit and miss, though, just depending on what sure. I've got going on. If, yeah. if I'm there or if I'm somebody else is in the office, you may have to wait a few minutes. Mm-hmm. But um, I invite... I invite the conversations and I invite people to, to, to go ahead and connect. And um, I just, even if it's just to get to know me better or they, or they have an opinion about something, I'm happy to hear it, happy to listen, and happy to visit. Well, let's, let's not test that too much, but uh, I'll, uh, I'll encourage you, if, if you've been watching this and you've gotten to the tail end of this, we'll go ahead and put his contact information in the show notes. So if you're watching on Facebook or, or YouTube, just get out a full screen and, and you should see it at the bottom there. Um, I, I hope this has been a good visit uh, for you and, and that it's helpful for you in knowing how to participate in the community and support, and if you're a person of faith, to pray for the, the public school system. Uh, I would urge you to, to consider ways in which you can support our school system and our, our children and, um, and Mr. Simpson directly, so don't, don't, uh, don't push his invitation too far to reach out, but do consider ways in which you can build him up and make sure that he is equipped with all the information he needs to know uh, for our community. So anyway, we're going to, we're going to conclude our, our time together. Tim, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's been fun for me too. So, um, I I'm hoping to make this uh, a more regular thing for our church. So if anybody watched this and you think this was a good thing to get to know public leaders and how we can support them and, and pray for them, then feel free to, uh, if you are a community leader, uh, give me a call and I, I'd love to sit down with you. Or if you know somebody in the community that it'd be good for us to, to pray for and know how to support, then feel free to, to help me connect. So anyway, thank you for the time you, you spent with me. God bless you and, and uh, I'll see you next time. All right.